He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Although, he's had a four and two threes on this hole. He's going to be at least three shots ahead. Welcome to Bros and Birdies, a golf podcast that aims to bring the golf news, chatter and guests from every walk of the golfing world. And we aim to pick the winners of the golf tournaments on the PGA, DP World and Live Tours. On the show this week, we'll be looking back at last week's Arnold Palmer Invitational and Puerto Rico Open. And we'll be looking ahead to the Players' Championship and the Kenyan Open on the DP World Tour. And we have a special guest to talk all things live, DP World Tour and strategic alliances. But first of all, let's get Big Bro in. Welcome to another week. Oh, I'm well juiced up for this one. I am. You're juiced up. Juiced up. Oh, yeah. Hey, mate. How are you? Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a great, great episode. Hopefully, we're going to catch up with a super guest. Um, I'm very excited. We're going to try and catch up with him later on. But before that happens, obviously, we're going to look back at last week's events. Obviously, we had two. On the PGA Tour, we had the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill, a designated event. Oh, God, we can talk about that again because more has happened over on the PGA Tour. And obviously, we had the Puerto Rico Open. Um, Let's get straight into the Arnold Palmer. Let's go there. Kurt Kitayama held off the challenges of some of the world's best golfers to see out for victory. Now, we know Kurt quite well on DP World Tour. He's won a couple of times over here. Um, he's found his feet. He's gone back over. What an event to win. Well, absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, th- this guy, he's got the nickname of The Project. And that's because he had to work so hard um, on his game during college. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolute war of attrition that back nine was. I mean, at one stage, we could have had an eight or nine man playoff. It was that crazy. It was just, you know, people were dropping shots left, right and centre. Kurt Kitayama had a triple bogey at the ninth and, you know, dropped down to eight under. And yeah, it was just, it had absolutely everything. Now, I love Bay Hill, love the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but I think as we talked about last week, it did have the cream rising to the top, with one exception you would think, obviously, in the winner, Kurt Kitayama, but he is an exception. He's 19th in the official world golf rankings now. Can you believe that? 19th. I can't. I mean, that's crazy. Oh, I don't know. Well, it just it just shows you how you know the strength of field ranking in the official world golf rankings, and with the strength of this field, you finish up near the top and you rocket up that leaderboard or the rankings. Yeah, but he started the year at forty second, so you know he's inside the top fifty at the start of the year, and the guy obviously has had you know, a meteoric rise to some extent, as you said, you know, he has already won a couple of times on DP World Tour. And, you know, it's it's just, yeah, it's a phenomenal rise to uh, fame for someone who is relatively, 
you know, even though 19th in the world rankings, is a relative unknown in the big game. $3.6 million to the winner. I mean, that just blows your mind, doesn't it? It's, you know, for Kurt Kitayama. And and you'd think, you know, for someone who hasn't got, you know, the pedigree of winning at the top of the game, he would have just faltered and fallen away, but he didn't. And that was despite... Third and fourth round, 72s. And yet he still won by one shot from, you know, a load of great players. But, you know, Kitty Armour, hats off to him. Well done. But you've, Rory McElroy, you've got to think you make that putt at 18. He's seen that putt so many times over the years. It wasn't a difficult putt. And that would have do you got think it's a bit? Under. Do you think it's a bit naive of Rory when he was saying he didn't look at a leaderboard and he didn't realise that he was a shot ahead? Absolute and he, he perhaps he perhaps Absolute would have changed rubbish. the way he was playing to defend that lead. I, I just think I it's, don't believe that some of the stuff that's coming out of that fella's mouth at the moment. And we can talk a bit later about what's gone on in the presser today at the players as well. Is it's just I don't know where his head's at. Yeah, I I, I just don't know. And as I say, you, we'll talk about it a bit more. You talk about head though. What about Till Hatton? I mean, tied fourth. But, you know, this guy, we've talked about him quite a bit this year, but this guy just beats himself. The golf course doesn't beat him. He beats himself. It's just, it, it is madness. Um, some of the stuff that you hear coming out of his mouth as well, caught by the, you know, the cam- the the microphones on the course is just, it's, it's a different world. It really some is. People, but... Some people are saying he's playing to a character that has been created now by himself. Created by with, himself, yeah. With what whatever's happened on a DP World Tour with these sort of little funny cameos being played, like the boardroom situation and the angry talk, you know, in the has has his attitude and the way that he reacts been magnified by what's been going on and he's doing his little cameo roles. Is he now playing that role that has it's, it seemed to turn into really this angry man. Is he now playing up to that role because he feels he has to? And is that getting in the way of his golf? No. Why? Why? I, I don't know. I mean, okay, it's a question. In my personal opinion, no. Why would you? It's hard enough to go onto the golf course and play a solid round of golf, let alone in a $20 million purse tournament with $3.6 million to the winner. I, I don't think it is that at all. I, I think, and if it is, it's totally wrong, in my opinion. He's far better than that. He's got a great golf game. He could win a shed load more tournaments. Previous winner here. And the form he has at Bay Hill, he clearly loves the place. But I watched him on that back nine so many holes, you know, whether it was misputs or whether it was a bad drive. It's everything that comes after it. It's the throwing the arms in the place and the, the gestations of like, oh, it should have gone over here and it didn't go over there. It's If you've got all of that going on in your head, you can't win a big golf tournament of, of that nature. You just can't. And that's why I say he beats himself. But it was a tied fourth, nevertheless. You know, only two shots behind Kitty Armour. It's just, it baffles me. It really does. And I'd love a chance to speak to Till Hatton. You know, we had Lee Crumbleholm a few weeks ago on the podcast, who obviously knows Till Hatton. He's a lovely guy. You know, really, really down-to-earth, genuine guy. And, 
he, he's not that person off the golf course. So why? I just yeah, it, it's the a reactions. The reactions of golfers that it's a tough, it's a tough game. I know they're playing for a lot of money, but take that money, you know, because I remember Rory saying not so long ago, it's not about the money, right? But let's let's take the money out of it. And the pressure of, you know, Bay Hill is a difficult course. We get that. This week, TPC Sawgrass, a difficult course again. He's sometimes he's he's not just playing against the course. He is now playing against his own mind. And that's got to that that is got to be fixed before, like you say, he goes on and continues winning. Yeah, he's won at Bay Hill before. He's finished second at Bay Hill. He's won tournaments around the world. We know he can win. But at the moment, he's not in the state of mind to go and compete at that higher level. We call them these designated events now and majors going forward. But another another strange, and this man just seems to get strange, and I'll say it all the time. Rory McIlroy, last year when he was talking about um, Bay Hill and he was interviewed and he says, oh, it's just, you know, it's too, the rough is too penal. They want it. It's too tough. You know, they need to make it easier, blah, blah, blah. And now he's got out and said this week that fans want to see birdies being made and the golf courses are too tough. Well, he wasn't moaning about that on Sunday um, or Saturday when he was in contention. He wasn't, didn't moan about the course whatsoever. And I just don't understand how his, He's disengaged to what the fans want. You go on social media, what he said about people wanting birdie fest or lots more birdies to be made. He, they, they don't want to see bogeys and players struggling. Well, I'm sorry, Rory, we do, right? We want to see the best golfers in the world, which he is one of, obviously, be tested to the extreme. You know, the US Open setups, they're tough. Valderrama, it's tough. Sawgrass is tough when the open has wind blown across the course. It is tough when the Masters greens are like glass. It is tough. That's what we want to see. I do not understand where he is coming from. I'll tell you what, bro. I, I want to put my arms right around you now and give you a hug, you know, because y- you and this Rory, you know, this Rory thing going on is very much akin to Piers Morgan and Meghan Markle, in my opinion. <laughs> and I'm I'm sitting here laughing, what? and I'm, I I just want to give you a hug, mate, because I don't know what's this thing with Rory That's McElroy. Prince Harry fucked got? Rory McElroy. What's going? On? Stop it, stop it. <laughs> Behave yourself. Anyway, listen. Moving on from that, you know, we talk about Till Hat and 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 Rory McElroy, and, and you can talk about Rory McElroy till the cows come home. I know you can. Um, but you know, Jordan Spieth's the same. It's a head mess. And then you've got someone like Scotty Scheffler, who's just calmness personified. Uh, you know, they're all, they were all top four last week and any one of them could have won. As I say, there were eight or nine players. I thought it was going to be a massive playoff uh, and it wasn't. But, uh, you know, Kurt Kitayama won. Listen, we've got so much to talk about. Yes, yeah, so week. much. I just so want to give a few stats, obviously, to on, finish as you out love them. Bay Hill, as I absolutely love them. But, um, Victor Hovland, round three, 66, round four, 75. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. And 16 killed him. I, I really thought Hovland was going to come back. And if he wasn't going to get a playoff, he was probably going to win by one shot, but he didn't. Um, six of the top 30 players, six of the top 30 anti's, shot 73 or worse in that final round. 
right? And that showed you how tough the course was. I saw them watering the course after play on the Friday, I think the round two, because they were geared up, obviously, for strong winds. And we, we thought we were going to get that. I don't think there was that many strong winds, to be honest with you. It was blowing, yes. But it made the, the greens a little bit tougher over the weekend. But that was an interesting stat for me. Um, average of the top 30 was 70.87. 35 of 120 rounds played from that top 30 shot subpar rounds. That's only 29% of those 120 rounds. Conversely, 28 of those 120 rounds from the top 30 finishers shot 73 or worse. That's 23.3% between the range of 73 and 77. That's what they shot. Um, only six players of the top 30 shot par or better over the four rounds. One of them was Kitty Armour, who won. The other five were Harris English, Tyrrell Hatton, Max Homer, Thigala and Sung Jae In, believe it or not, who actually finished a tied 21st. So, yeah, just a few stats to close out on Arnold Palmer there. As we know, we have a few listeners who love a few stats. Yeah, but what about Rory? Like, no, <laughs> joke. <laughs> anyway, Rory? a few shouts out from me. Um, Ludvig Arberg, the Swedish amateur, had a great tournament. Tied 24, 70, 70, 73, 73. But also a player that turns down the riches of live. Pearson Coody, the American young lad. Another great tournament for him. Tied 14th. Turned down the riches. He was approached by Liv, allegedly, and turned down because this is what he wants to do. When he said that, maybe he didn't realise what Rory was about to do and Jay Monaghan and the crew and completely divide a Ooh, yes. golfing world, a <laughs> golfing world that is already divided. Anyway, we're going to get on to that a little bit later with our guest, as long as he's on time. I hear he is. So let's crack on. Let's talk about the Puerto Rico Open. Now, tell you what, the first and second in this in this tournament are tongue twisters. I'm going to give it a go. The winner was Nico Echevarria, and second was Akshay Vartia. Correct. How did I do? Yeah, yeah, you did all right with that, bro. Yeah, yeah, not too <laughs> I bad. I wish Michael Kim had won it. It would have been easier. <laughs> it would have been. But easy, yeah, it? Nico, 65-68 over the weekend to win by two from Ashgay. Now. Bartia is really coming into his own. He's he's a cracking golfer. Obviously, we, we saw him on the, the KFT and we saw him last season on the PGA Tour playing very, very well. We thought Carson Young had run away with this tournament after round one, but that's 63 that he shot. But it, do you know what? I watched a bit of some, some highlights online and some of the golf was fantastic. You know, 21 under, you say birdie fest, but they were grinding out some of those some of those holes. And I enjoyed it, to be honest with you. Um, Harry Hall, Englishman, tied seventh. He was the best for the non-Americans outside of Nico, the winner, who is from Venezuela or Colombia. No, Colombia, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, same firm, different branch. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, listen, um, Echevarria won 684,000 for winning the Puerto Rico Open. And that actually was akin to tied eighth at the API 
who got um, well very close to six hundred and five thousand, but Bartia scooped four hundred and fourteen thousand for finished second, um, and now gets his PGA Tour status. So, yeah, interesting facts there. But the winner has risen now, believe it or not, to two hundred eighty seventh in the world rankings. Started out uh, the start of the year in four hundred and twenty third. So. A win there in Puerto Rico gets him the rise for the Colombian, and now he'd be smoking a big fat cigar. Oh, yes, I bet he will. Hey, right, that's enough about the Puerto Rico. Like you said, we've got loads to get on with. Um, other talking points before we bring the guest in. Let's talk about the WGC World match play um, as being wiped completely from the face of the golfing world. But was that Rory's decision, bro? Probably. <laughs> the time is nigh to stop it. And it, the, what could happen, right? So the the Dell match play, the WGC, it's not controlled by the PGA Tour. That's just, you know, you don't find many things not controlled by the PGA Tour. Um, but this one isn't. So there could be a possibility that live players, 48 of them, and it's 64 that start in the Dell match play, isn't it? So 48 of them... Um, we could find 16 invites going out to players. This is possible. This is this is coming out of my head and obviously been talked about on social media. But what if that happened that Liv kept the world match play alive and invited 16 players because they can be invited? Um, would they take up the invites and feel the wrath of Rory and Jay Monaghan? I'm not sure. But what do you reckon to that? Could it happen? Uh I think anything could happen, to be honest with you. I mean, there's a lot that's obviously going to shake out the tree over the next few months. That, yeah, it's a distinct possibility. I do find it a bit of a surprise, though, that actually it's been taken off of the 2024 schedule. I mean, you know, a lot of people had seen the WGC match play obviously being played out of uh, Austin Country Club, I believe. You know, and was part of the, the full swing series where we saw Poulter throwing his clubs. But I'm surprised because it's, you know, it is the only match play competition that's out there. We talked on a previous pod about the the world match play at Wentworth being scrapped many years ago and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. Something, I think, yeah, something has to happen. And it could be that Liv introduced that match play format back into their schedule, maybe in 24. Who knows? Well, let another, another thing we talk about what Liv has done and, and what have you, but Designated events, bro. Let's talk about them. So next year, designated events, because we're now not not only we've got elevated events. So we started off with elevated, non-elevated. Now we've got designated, um, no cuts, limited fields, and then we've got non-designated. So designated events will award 700 FedEx points to the winner. And non-designated will receive 500. So in layman's terms, right, Third place at a non-designated will receive less than someone that finishes 10th in the designated event. So not only are they protecting the best players in terms of money and strength of fields, they are now protecting the FedEx Cup. This is turning into a super league of golf for Rory and his mates to stop players leaving for live. We will give you the earth, but do not leave us. I just think it's random. God, you know what? I'm kind of on the fence about this, if I'm honest. Um, 
I, I see that view. Well, get off and give I, us the opinion. Well, no, I'm I'm trying to get off, but it's I, I <laughs> steady up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, no, I'm trying to get off that fence, and I'm trying to see both sides of it, as I normally do in most things in life. Is you know, but we're talking about golf, and we're talking about this big point at the moment, and I I can see benefits to what the PGA Tour are trying to do. I can. I think, you know, this is really about trying to, I think, yes, it's about protecting, you know, the big players in golf and, you know, obviously those big players, the likes of Rory McIlroy and Tiger and others and stuff. And, you know, they're obviously going to want to angle for the best position for them, whether that be financially status wise and stuff. And I mean, they've come up obviously with a, a no, you know, full field, no cut type format and that's obviously you know smacks in the face of obviously what Liv have done and all the criticism it came in for but I also think that you know there is this drive for trying to get players to play their best golf and make their way into these designated events these 70 to 78 field events you know well, you think they haven't been trying to play their best golf no, what I do think, you mean by that I, I think they have but i think again if you look at you know i, I don't know let, let's use an example right obviously we, dean burmester a friend of the podcast gets his pga tour card you know everything that's going for him doing really well in the world rankings obviously jumps over to live for whatever reasons they are but, you know, he could have really made his way playing in, into these big events and, you know, earning lots of money and getting all the status that goes with it. But we've got the people that have moved over to live and and that, you know, and also with the the 10 player cards coming from the DP World Tour and stuff is they're the ones that are probably going to suffer as a result of this because there almost are certainly going to be a two-tiered tour structure on the PGA Tour. Do you not think? I do. Yeah. 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 Of course it is. It's well, it's turning into it's turning into a league. It's it's turning into like sort of premiership, championship, league one, if you're taking KFT into consideration as well. And at the moment, DP World Tour are, are looking like the conference league. Yeah. And I, I think I tweeted on this last week about my ideas around how I would see that structured. I would almost see like the Premier League is your PGA Tour and live your, your championships, maybe your DP World Tour and your Asian Tour, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I kind of I went into a bit of a, a ramble about that. But bringing it back to this point and, and why I am sitting on the fence is I can I can see that there is this drive to, and I think Rory emphasised it when he talked about the, you know, the role the sponsors play in this as well. Is of course the sponsors, the major sponsors, they are going to want the big names, the big players. You know, that's what obviously brings stuff in for sponsors. So they're probably very supportive of that. But you've also got to feel for this group of golfers that aren't currently making it in the big time. Um, you know, whether it be your current FedEx Cup set up and now moving into these more um, elevated events, whatever, you, no cut events and stuff. And I just, you know, some golfers are going to get left behind. I mean, there was a point I think that was made somewhere else. I was listening to something today. So there are too many exempt players. I think there's something like 200 to 250 exempt players on the PGA Tour. 
Um, so to make this work for what they've come up with their 24 schedule, surely they need to think about cutting those exemptions. I don't know. And that's another thing. And so that was a question that was put out there. And that makes me even sit on the fence a bit more. I just, I, I don't know, I'm a bit head scrambled with all of this, to be honest with you. Too much moving too quickly to really make sense of it all. Well, what's made the movement um, or what's created the movement? We know what's created the movement. It's it's what's Liv has done, what Liv has done. And that is really shaking up. And that's what Phil said last year or even earlier. He was saying it needs, you know, needs a shake up. Something needs to happen. It's seriously wrong. And it's taken, you know, as we'll repeat later, but, you know, Rory was quoted today from the press at the players. He said the, the emergence of live golf has benefited everyone who plays professional golf. And, and you cannot deny that at all. Whether you like live golf or not, whether you like what it stands for or not, whether you like where that money is coming from or not, it is there. And as Rory says, it has benefited everyone who plays professional golf. Now it won't, it'll benefit more, some others than more, <laughs> some more than others. Sorry, I'll get me words out. And a lot more than others. But, you know, you look at those players in DP World Tour, if they get their 10, the 10 people go over, um, top, top 10 non-exempt players going over to the PGA Tour, Will they take it up? Eddie Pepper will turn around and, and said, maybe they won't. Maybe he even said himself that if he was offered a, a card on the PGA Tour, he would turn it down to carry on playing on the European Tour circuit because that's what he enjoys. Now, whether that's completely true from Eddie, you've got to take him on his word. Um, but will I think, he's, I think he's a man you can take on his word. To be honest, I think he's he's honest enough. He's always forthright with his views. I have no reason to disbelieve that. Right. What we've got to do, because I've just had a message, we've got to get our guest in, bro. Um, oh, really? Wicked. Yeah. So, And then after we've spoken to our fantastic guest, we will be getting into this week's tournaments. Obviously, we've got um, Kenyan Open on the DP World Tour circuit. And not forgetting, I hate this when they call it the unofficial fifth major. It's, it's the Players' Championship, right? We'll get into that as well. But first and foremost, let's bring our guest in. Well, Charles Howell III won the open events of Liv's second season. And with us today, we have Richard Bland III, as he's joining us for the third time on Bros and Birdies. It's great to have you back on, and we appreciate it, Richard. Hi, boys. How you doing? Yeah, glad to be back. Uh, Hi, Richard. Back. I'm sorry if you hear any background noise. I've got two young pups here trying to kill each other. <laughs> that's all right hey big bro's got a, a dog that barks from time to time so yeah. be like being in battersea dog zone if everyone's out there i'm sure everyone loves dogs hey yeah it's been rough seas out there in the world of golf richard mm. and our listeners need some answers answers from a player <laughs> deeply rooted in the drama and who knows maybe you can calm the seas for us <laughs> with your insight but one quick five question before we get on to everything else and big bro's got a fun question but Will your beloved Southampton Football Club stay in the designated league or fall into the non-elevated league called the Championship? Um, I think uh, I think we're struggling personally. Um, you know, I, I, I went to see them a couple of weeks ago against Wolves and it didn't look very good. Um, but then, then they go and beat Chelsea away. Um, I think less, uh, last, this week's game or last weekend's game, I should say, was, was a huge result. Um, 
And uh, yeah, they've obviously got Man United away this weekend, so and they're coming off a bit of a, a sorry defeat. Um, so uh, yeah, I think if I was a bet man, I, I would probably say they're probably favourites to go down. Uh, well, as long as you take Everton with you down, if that's yeah. a promise, that'd well, be fantastic. I think, I think he might get them out actually. Um, oh, really, Sean Dyche? I, I think. I think we probably, in hindsight now, I think, you know, we probably should have gone after him after Ralph left. Um, obviously, the Nathan Jones thing didn't work out at all. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think looking back, I think the club might have missed a, missed a trick there. I, I think he'll get Everton out. Well, we've, um, we've, it seems that we've had Southampton fan club on recently because we had, um, well, there's only a there can't be that many. Uh, well, this is it. We've had I'm, both I'm about of you 50% on. Of them, I think. <laughs> well, we had Flush on, Flushing it on social media, right. and you, I think you know him um, well enough. And he's a Southampton lad, and yeah, yeah, he's he's basically in the same opinion as you, I think. But um, right, that's enough football chat. And if anyone's <laughs> wondering where the sounds coming from, it's because um, Richard has two new puppies. In the in the I'll background, tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll I'll move upstairs. I'll let I'll uh, so we haven't got these two. I'll lock <laughs> no, you're all right. We don't mind it. Hey, no. we don't mind. All right, mate. No worries. Right, big bro has a fun question for you to to break you in gently before we get into the nitty gritty. Now th- this is a little bit of fun, but you might you might not find it fun, right? So you're in a <laughs> difficult position. So you're part of the cliques, Richard, as we know, yes. and your side is captained by Martin Kaimo, who obviously unfortunately missed out Maya Koba. Yeah. But you're also with G Mac and Bern Wiesberger. So yep. here's the question. You've received an invite to Sir Richard Branson's new thrill-seeking desert island. And you are allowed one teammate to take with you. You have to put one on the reserve list and you have to break the sad news to the other one as to why they're not invited. So who would you take? Oh. Who would you reserve and who would you deny? And why? Oh, I don't know. Well, if I'm being honest, I probably because I've uh, spent a little bit, probably a little bit more time with him. Um, am I am I putting Laurie Cantor in this? Because obviously Laurie's kind of part of our team. Oh yeah, oh, of no. course, yeah. Well, um, oh, that's a bit controversial. I'd probably yeah. say I, I'd, I'd take G Max. You know, I played foursomes with him last year in the team championship, so we've we've spent quite a bit of time around each other. Um, and is he a bit of a thrill seeker? Is he Richard? He's not. He, well, he's just a good guy. <laughs> he's just a good guy to be around. Um, you know, he's good fun. Um, yeah, he's and uh, yeah, we've kind of got pretty sim- similar sense of humor, so okay. Um, yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd think I'd take G Max. Um, who's on the reserve list? Uh, I'd probably, well, if Laurie's on the res- if Laurie's on our team, I'd take Laurie, yeah, I know, you know, he's a he's an English lad, he's he's fairly local to me, uh, where we live. Um, he was at the Wiz for a while before he moved upgraded to Queenwood. Um, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd put Laurie on a reserve list and the other two, well, if they can swim there, if they can make it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. That is a brilliant response. There you go. (laughs) Martin and Byrne, get your armbands on. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Right. That was great. I like that. Right. Let's get into it. Rory quote from today's presser at the players, the emergence of live golf has benefited everyone who plays 
professional golf. Wow, he's it's more U-turns than the Tory government. Right. We know you are and your family were comfortable with the decision to join Live, as you told us last year, and you wanted to experience yeah. it and hopefully get a bucket load of cash. Well, with three and a half million in winners last year, are you comfortable with how Liv has progressed? And is there a guarantee that Liv will strengthen and be able to survive in the foreseeable future? Um, well, I, you know, I've, I've said for a while, I said, I think players will, players should be thanking Liv. And I saw John Rahm said that today. Um, you know, what Liv has done is, is like you say, it's certainly shaken up what we all thought professional golf looked like. Um, and that's what, you know, Greg and Phil sort of talked about. Um, and obviously what a lot of things that Phil said would happen, have happened. Um, everyone, when he did say it last year, everyone was kind of think, looking at him as if he's just arrived from another planet, but yeah. he was proved to be spot on. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I only see... Live going from you know from strength to strength. I think a lot of people have just got to understand that it's it's still only nine tournaments old. You know, yeah. we had the eight last year. We've had one this year. Um, it's still trying to find its feet um, and 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 progress. There's things that uh, I saw a bit of what Jay Moynihan said this afternoon um, that with how they're progressing with the tour, there's going to be they're going to get some things right. They're going to get some things wrong. And, that, and that's the same with Liv. You know, Liv are doing a lot of things right. Uh, there's a few things that they've fallen down on. Um, and they're happy to address that and, and listen to the players and, and, and try and improve going forward. And Can you elaborate on that for us, Richard? When you say they've fallen down on, what, what sort of things are we talking I think, about? I think a lot with Liv, it, it, you know, I think the communication between them and the players can be better. Uh, on just on on a few things it's 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 not yeah the the thing is for me it's like i'm not a team principal i don't own i don't have any equity in any team so you know what's going on in like they have some captains meetings and what have you so what's going on really with the nitty gritty kind of gets filtered down to us guys so you know we don't get to see all of it um and 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 I and in all fairness, I wouldn't want to because, like like I say, the I, I don't own any part of the, the team that I'm on. Um, so the, the the real crux of how the team works and the finances and and what have you is nothing to do with me. Um, mm. That's down to each individual team principal and whatever team that they have equity in. Um, but again, you know, Liv is is nine tournaments old and. they're kind of trying to where they feel like they've made a few mistakes sort of behind the scenes they're trying to maybe get some new people in and everybody that they see people leave and uh who are not in that position anymore because of i think the um the waves that sort of live created last year in, in changing the way golf is looked at Everybody looks at that as a negative. Someone leaves, all oh, right, Liv's falling apart. Liv's going to, you know, fold probably in a year or two years' time because someone of a 
high position left or or whatever when actually you know what we think there might be someone else out there that can do it any better and that's the same with any business um if if you feel like there's a better person for that job of it's the same with football isn't it if you think there's a better manager out there for you right okay well we'll we'll go we'll go and talk to him and see where he thinks he can make us better going forward well, it's and, sensational, um, isn't it? You know, if someone if someone goes and it, like you said, they think it's fallen apart. But also, people when people have come in um, to live, like the new players that have come in, also people have been saying, "Well, live have fallen apart because they haven't been able to get the names that they've been targeting and and what yeah, have you." I think I think a lot of people, you know, I, I, you know, the PGA Tour, obviously, this what they've what they've just announced, these new elevated events. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's not something that they've just thought up of in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's been, you know, there's been meetings probably rumbling on for the last sort of, since Liv really was born back last summer, um, to, to stop the top players from going. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if if... If some, you know, if Liv are going to offer you a hundred million dollars to come and play on our tour, but basically the the tour are almost offering you the same money, you know. Um, it's you interesting, know, even, but even though it's not, even though it's not a contract, yeah, but the top players are still bit. You know, they, I think this is what a lot of people don't understand. A lot of the, you know, the PJ Tour are playing. Uh, you know, what they pay Rory, what they pay Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, people like that. Um, yeah, they pay them tens of millions of dollars every single year to to play on the PGA Tour. It, it's mm. just it doesn't really get written about. Um, well, so, Rory's basically uh, a CEO now, isn't he? The way he's acting. Oh, you know, he he he's you know, he, obviously he's one of the best players in the world. He, he obviously, yeah. Board, you know, and because I think he took it on himself uh, as, as you know as the PGA Tour spokesman last year, he carries an awful lot of power. Mm. Um, you know, I saw, you know, I saw Tim today, my coach, and we was just sort of talking about it and talking about the Ryder Cup with the court case that's that's kind of gone on in Europe, and it looks like it's going to be another three, four months um, before there's maybe a decision, which I think pretty much rules out any live play, playing on the Ryder Cup, certainly for Europe. But I don't think, personally, I don't think Rory would would stand for it. Uh, so Richard, think, is that if, maybe a bit contrived? Do you think maybe in terms know. of this being drawn out, this arbitration I don't know. case? That I don't know. That yeah. I, you know, I've got no, I've got no part of that. So mm. you know, I'm not going to sort of try and make any co- judgment on yeah. that when I, I don't really have any sort of hard facts to sort of. No, yeah, that's, fair that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But no. you know, like I said to Tim today, I said I think Rory would, if sort of say a Paul Casey or a Sergio Garcia did get picked, um, which I don't think they would do because I just don't think they would be picked because of Liv. Um, that's my that's my opinion. I think Rory would be well okay if you're going to pick if you're going to pick them, you're going to play this Ryder Cup without me, um, mm. and I think he carries that much power, um, and 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 it's and it's. Personally, I think it's on the other side of the tour as well, on the PJ tour. I think, yeah, he has a lot of a lot of sway with Jay, um, and I think, yeah, I think he gets a lot of what Rory wants. I think Rory gets. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's 
you know, the, there is that argument to say, well, he's one of the best players in the world, so he deserves it. So I get that. But um, I think sometimes it doesn't necessarily help the guy that's in maybe 120th on the FedEx Cup. Uh, that's, fair, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. Well, it's a bit I, like top footballers at clubs, though, isn't it? Is course, we know yeah. they have a say in what goes on in terms oh, yeah, of players much, that come in. So, power. If, if the players, don't, if kind of if the players don't, don't get on with the manager, or they suddenly feel that they don't believe in the manager anymore, you you can bet your bottom dollar that probably within a few weeks he's gone. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to play for him, you're not gonna you know you're not gonna give it 100, percent are you? And uh, and even like in the Premiership. The standard's too good. If you if you haven't got eleven players on the pitch giving it a hundred percent, you're not going to do any good. Yeah. Um, Let's bring know, it back to live, Richard. In, in t- you know, you were talking uh, a few minutes ago more about sort of evolution and learning. But what yeah. what did you like the most about the inaugural season of live, and what may have been the one thing that you would have changed? Um, I just think that I, I, it, it was just a whole buzz around something new, something different. Um, it was those taxis at Centurion. You loved them, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, you know. But it was like <laughs> even in even in America, we had like the the Navy SEALs jumping out of, you know, I, I don't know how far, you know, three or four thousand feet. I think they were jumping out every event. Um, just things like that. It, it, it's just it was just different. It was exciting. It was it was a different. You know, I know. You, you'll always get the the haters saying, "Oh, it's an exhibition. It's this. It's that. It's it's." <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and I'm sure you know I can put my point across, and people will just you know sort of shoot it down. But it's not. Yeah, you know, we 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 commented on it after the first round in Maricopa. If you looked at the practice ground twenty minutes after we all finished, it was full. Everybody, and as if it was a normal DP World or PGA Tour event. You know, there's there's just as many people practicing as you would get at a PGA Tour event. Everybody's out there working their ass off. Um, because we all, at the end of the day, we all love to compete. It doesn't matter what level you're doing it at. You're still out there giving it a hundred percent. That's just, that's just in your DNA. It's mm. in your, um, it's, it's just in your blood. You, you can say, well, you know, when, when these top footballers are getting, you know, maybe Ronaldo's on, you know, whatever he's on to play football, he's still out there giving it everything he's got. Because that's just who he is. You, know, you look at you look at you know we all probably watched it in in lockdown, the last dance with Michael Jordan. He's probably the greatest mm. NBA basketball player that's ever lived. He's out there, you know, at the front front and foremost hardworking person on that team, and he's the best, and he's got the most money. So why is he doing it? Because he loves it, and he's given it, and he demands that from his other teammates and, and, you know, I've watched that a couple of times, you know, and, and they, and his teammates are saying they were better because of him. And it's just, and, and in some ways it's the same with live. Everybody thinks, Oh, because he signed for this amount of money and, and you're guaranteed this amount of money that they're probably not trying anymore. Trust me, they're trying, you know, I played with Brooks Kepka last Sunday and, and, and I, and I know when someone's trying and I know when someone's not trying, um, and trust me, he's out there and he's 100% into every single shot he's hitting, whether he's in first place or he's in 25th place. He's out there giving it 100%. And and that's, and I think people, you know, maybe just because they see, 
that they haven't been to the events and um and they like you say they just see what people have signed for oh well he's, he's just going there for a jolly he's not really worried whether he finishes 10th or 40th um that's well that's always been that's... a case with brooks though wasn't it it's like brooks always had this sort of everyone said oh he only cares about the majors and he doesn't really care about the other tournaments and that's that's perception of the golf in public and yeah. That's, you know, you see it firsthand and other golfers that have played with him and then his team around him, obviously no completely different side of him. But I don't think you're going to get it called exhibition golf for much longer now. What's happened with the limited fields, no cut events that are coming to the PGA Tour. Um, Go on. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I think think you're right. You know, it's it's, like you say, you know, when you look at it and now that I don't know how many, what percentage of the PGA Tour's schedule is now no cut events um yeah it, it strikes a res, uh, you know a resemblance to you know another another tour that's being played right now uh okay admittedly that's over 72 holes and another one isn't but <laughs> you know at the end of the day well, can, you, can you understand the this is not me being like difficult but can you understand the 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 problems that people have with live in the sense that where I know it's piff, but where that money comes from, we talked about it um, last time and you might, everyone understands that it's a, it's an issue, but they're investing in everything all over the world. And at what point do these start forgetting where the money's coming from and just yeah, get back course. to concentrating on golf? Of course. You're telling me that every sponsor that and um, every corporate sponsor that is on the PJ tour hasn't had any dealings with, PIF or Aramco or or the Chinese, some, some, yeah, some, some, some the Russians. Well, Aramco is a great ad, a, example, you know, isn't it? it, it it's I, I, you know, if if probably if the PJ Tour didn't have corporate sponsors that that basically, um, you know, only did business with say good countries or what however you want to call it uh you know not involved in maybe terrorism or involved in a war or you know their human rights are maybe not to what we in the western world kind of assume is right um they'd have no tournaments they'd have no tournaments it's um well, you just yeah. mentioned war, right? And there seems to be no unity in the world golf right now. Rory says their tour is lacking in unity in today's pressure. PGA Tour and DP World Tour strategic alliance is questionable, to say the least. Yeah. PGA Tour and Live are battling away, and we have the arbitration case going on. Can there be an amnesty? And where is golf heading? I think there. Will, I think there will be. Yeah, there has to be at some point. You know. Um, yeah, they, they, I think they've just got to. You know, they've just got to, I think everybody's just got to put their egos aside, and that's live included, um, and, and sit around a table and go, right, how do we work this out? Um, you know, for the good of the game. You know, competition is good. Um, and obviously, the PGA Tour have had it so much their own way for so <laughs> many years, and lives come and put their nose out of joint, and they don't like it. And, um, uh, hence why they've they're doing what they're doing to kind of shore up their own product and players and say, yeah, they, they get they're getting a nose job yeah basically <laughs> um, <laughs> like you say how this goes forward with the this strategic alliance um i don't know you know as i i, I talked to 
Tim about it today with the 10 players that will, I, I, you know, I, the, the, the whole corporate side of it and the sponsorship side, uh, you know, I can't really get into because I don't really know enough about it because I'm not in those meetings. But I, I kind of feel for the guys that, um, these 10 guys that are, are going to give the, have the opportunity to go over there if they want to do it, that they have got mountains to climb, absolute mountains. Um, you know, it, onto a tour that they may never have played before and so onto a continent that they've maybe never been to before. Um, they're probably going to have to live over there. So they've got to maybe upheave their family um, and go and play. And, and, and some weeks you're not going to play because of these elevated events. Um, you're not gonna, I don't know if they're going to put other tournaments alongside those smaller events so you do have tournaments to play in um if you play your way onto one of these elevated events is it only that event that you get into and then you've got to then be able to try and play your way again onto the other events um yeah you've got to play uh, you know, well to, to, to continue to have your place haven't you I think yeah that's what I you know to finish in the top 50 so you know you're guaranteed um, in those elevated events is going to be hugely, hugely difficult. Um, and then if, if you finish a hundredth, you've got that mountain to climb all over again the next year, you know, to keep their top players happy and to keep their players not being poached, or if you want to call it poached by Liv or given the opportunity to go to Liv. Yeah. Um, and I think Eddie Peppel said it quite well. Uh, what I I saw what he put on social media that you, know, you could have maybe a sort of householdish name that doesn't finish has a poor year doesn't finish in the top fifty maybe not going to be getting into those guaranteed elevated events suddenly live come along and put a nice offer in front of him he might go who knows mm. um, we'll have to wait and see you know we, we got to let it sort of play out but. Um, Hypothetically, Richard, I mean, you know, you just talked about these 10 players coming off the Europe uh, DP World Tour that are going to gain their card to the PGA Tour. Hypothetically, do they have a choice to make in terms, you know, they may choose not to have, take I, the PGA I, I, Tour. They route. don't have to go. They don't exactly. Have to yeah. Go. I'm thinking, um, obviously, depending on how everything shakes out with the arbitration case and yeah. whether there's a relaxation, we start to see live players back playing on some big DP World Tour events, let's say, hypothetically, the Strategic Alliance falls down um, or falls over and stuff. That is a massive game changer, potentially. I don't know what your views are on that. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, it basically, probably, if, you, if you're going to get one of those top 10 cards, you're certainly going to have to finish in the top 30, I would say, of the DP World Order of Merit. So maybe the top 25, I don't know. Uh, I think I think somewhere on, maybe on, I don't know where it was on last year. I think the year before they did it, I think it was going to be like 32nd or something like that. I think that would have got the last, the 10th position. Um, so certainly you, you would have to think you're probably going to have to finish in the top 30. So you've, you're going to be playing in all the, all the big events in Europe. Um, uh, you probably maybe you've won in Europe, so you've got a you know you've got a nice exemption. Maybe you haven't won. Um, you know, certainly if you haven't won and you go over to America and it doesn't work out, 
Um, you, I, I think you would have spent an awful lot of time over there that by the time you do come back to Europe, the chances of you then, if you haven't got an exemption, keeping your playing status is going to be pretty slim. Um, so suddenly then you've got no... But I think they've, they, I, I, I haven't heard of the full ins and outs, but I'm sure there must be a safety net for those players that they they will have a good category if they lost their card in America and didn't keep their card in Europe. They, they, they can't suddenly just fall off the face of the earth gold yeah. ones. Um, what, where that category would put them certainly won't be anywhere near as good as I, I would imagine. I don't know for certain, but I can't see it being um, if you say finish 30th in the DP world with no um, with no exemption, you would be very high up in the kept card category. So you, you know you're getting in every event. Um, suddenly, if you're maybe a lot further down in that category, you might miss the Scottish Open, which is co-sanctioned with the PJ Tour. So that's a nine, ten million dollar event you've just missed out on. Um, it's yeah, there's it's so many permutations. <laughs> it is, aren't there? yeah, but yeah. I think I think they've made it very very difficult. It's certainly from the way I see it, uh, it's a two it's a two tier tour now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, they, they are just, they're shoring up their product to, to say, right, um, we're, we're giving you all this money basically. So, you know, you don't, you don't get the, the contracted money that live are offering. So you know, in, in some ways, and they obviously certainly want you to play those elevated events. So I'm, I, I know they're not contracted to play those elevated events, but. You know, I I know the the PJ Tour will be putting some some pressure on them to play them. So, in a roundabout way, it's almost contracted. You know, you're not signing yeah. a piece of paper. It's not all legal, and your lawyers have all got to look at it. But it's it's not a million miles away from it. No, exactly. Um, so, exactly. Yeah. You've look at used it, the you word. Know, where's the difference? Yeah. Use the word, um, obviously, lawyers there and just bringing it back to the arbitration case, Richard. Again, uh, you know, in your personal opinion, do you do you think the European tour will lose that arbitration case, even though uh, we're going to see a bit of a delay in in the ruling? I, I've heard, you know, I, I know that the, the, the tour thought they had a very good case. I know Liv thought they had a very good case. Um, I've kind of, you know, you, you talk to a few people and I think, the players, the live players sort of side are, are probably favourites. So I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the, the tour, the, the PGA tour is probably favourite in their ongoing yeah. court battle with, with, with the players in America. Um, personally, I don't, I, and, and, and you know, I've read, I've read articles. I don't think it's a bad thing if the tour lose, um, mm-hmm. whether Keith would then, still be CEO we'll have to wait and see um but I I still don't think the DP world is strong enough to to still lose Lee Westwood Poulter Casey Garcia Kyle those kind of players it's it's yeah it's it's not strong enough uh, uh, and that's no disrespect to any of the other players they've got don't get don't get me wrong they've got some really top potentially world-class players but you still need those those players to put bums on seats, so to speak. 
yeah, know, and to help get, it and get people through Absolutely. the door. You know, yeah. of course, you know, you, how can how can you stop GMAC from playing in the Irish Open? You, you just you can't do it. You know, how can you stop Lee Westwood from playing British Masters, P, uh, the PGA, Paul Casey, players like that playing their home events? Yeah, it's just. Um, just doesn't seem right. Just yeah. doesn't seem right that, that, that they wouldn't play those events. And, or Cam you know, Smith people, defending the players. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, know I, you know, the, those guys have done so much for the the growth of the tour. Um, that it, yeah, it would just it it would be it would be a shame if if that happened. But I think if if the tour did win. With with Jay Moynihan basically being at the forefront of of golf and probably the most powerful man in golf, I, th- I, I you know I I think he's gonna Keith is gonna have to toe the line on probably where Jay wants it to go. I don't know. I might be wrong. <laughs> That's maybe my opinion. But if 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 the PGA Tour are adamant that no player is ever going to go back to the tour. And we're and the DP world is in a strategic alliance with them. How can you have one tour working against the other in fundamentally how it works? I know there's different rules and regulations. I get that, but surely they would want to be aligned in certainly with you know how much live has made an impact on. I would imagine. I can't say for certain, but let's let's discuss the strategic alliance then. It. But the latest news coming out of the PGA Tour, has the European Tour been played? Has Pelly been so weak that the Tour has been absolutely played? Because Penalty Drop, the blog and podcasters, great, great stuff they, they put out there on social media. They've got a great brand in Snap Up Golf. Now, they put out about the fact that the 40% hasn't been bought because the PGA promised to purchase up to 40% of the European Tour. Right. Hasn't happened. Um, still hasn't been bought out, so they still remain at fifteen percent. Is that is that is that in the European Tour Productions or? Yeah, the yeah European Tour Productions sponsored right. by DP World Tour, but they yeah they're meant to have forty percent. That hasn't been paid for. They still only right. have fifteen percent. Is that possibly because now they've changed their tack to deal with Live that they've decided actually we're not going to put this money into um, the European Tour now. We're going to concentrate more on ourselves. I, I, that I, uh, to be honest with you, I, I have no knowledge of that. I didn't. I, 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 I was aware that, um, yeah, the PGA Tour had purchased forty percent of the the European Tour productions. Uh, if that's not the case, um, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speculate. No, that's fair enough. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's a little, that's what they're saying. About. They haven't paid. That's certainly, that's news to me. So. I don't really want to sort of get, you know, too deep on that. Um, no, that's fair enough. That's fair. What about what about, about McGinley? Um, like McGinley resigning, and do you think? I know you're friends with a lot of people that are on the board, and you know, Thomas Bjorn is there, and etc. <laughs> yeah, do you not, think? Not, not really well, friendly with Tom. <laughs> do you think? Do you think it's a strong board? You look at the names on there. Like if you look, I know it's completely different with the PGA Tour, obviously with the PAC committee. But do you think we're not strong enough? We haven't got a strong enough voice to support the ever weakening Keith Pelly. Um, you know, I, I've never really got into too much on the on the board side or anything like that. So, 
you, you do you know I, I'm very much well okay you kind of they they're in charge of kind of doing what's best for the tour um and I, I've kind of over over the years that I've played DP world I've just kind of let them get on with it but um you know now I've over the last sort of 12 months I've sort of looked into more things and got a bit more knowledgeable on more things that I didn't know about before um you know my personal opinion is I think I think I think missed a unbelievable opportunity to go with Liv um I think I think obviously I think Pete uh, I think Keith put financial stability in front of everything else uh, with 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 the with the alliance with America um and and I know he said that in in our player meeting at Wentworth that he has basically kind of shored up the DP World Tour financially over the next five years with with America with with prize funds and what have you. That's obviously what he and I assume the board thought was the priority, and that's what they've done. Um, but as I think, as maybe on the player side, on on, on and and the players that may play. DP world in the future. I think I think he's he's missed a huge opportunity um, to the to maybe getting the likes of Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau to come and play um, in Europe um, with the, the stance that the PJ Tour had taken uh, against people that that go to live. So, do I, I think personally, in my opinion, do I think he's missed an opportunity? Yes, I do. Um, but you know we're at where we're at, and, um, and and I'm sure Keith is very confident in the decision that he's took. Um, about that. Whether 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 that is the right decision or the wrong decision, you know we'll have to wait and see. But um, so it certainly yeah. seems like there's a bit of financial Russian roulette being played oh, at the moment. You know, I'm sure without you know, a shadow of a doubt, with with obviously everything that's going on with. You know, in 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 the UK, Ukraine and Russia and what have you, yeah, there is a lot of uncertainty probably in the, in the finance world, um, with the you know the cost of living crisis and everything that we've got going on. Um, yeah, he took he he's, he's basically taken, you know, financial stability. But yeah, I always remember when 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 Keith took over the job. I remember his first meeting, and it wasn't as much as the, yeah, the 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 PJ tour was hostile, but we had to compete with them, and we were going to merge with Asia, um, and uh, to to compete with America. America was in in some ways was kind of seen as hostile. They take our best players, um, and we have to compete with that. We have to keep as best we can our big players in Europe as much as we can. That was, for me, that was the whole idea behind the Rolex series. Mm. You know, six or seven, six, seven, eight million dollar events a year to, for the, back then for the likes of Rory, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood to come, even though Lee was mainly playing in Europe, um, to come and play in Europe more than they already did. Um and and now we're best buddies with them. 
and, and like la- last year, I asked for an inv- uh, a release to go play in the Saudi International, which is an Asian tour event, and they were handing out releases hand over fist. Yeah, I didn't even adhere to the. I think it's like a forty-five day deadline that you've got before the tournament that you have to put your release in. I put my release in two and I got released. This year I didn't get released and I'll no doubt get fined for it because I ended up going playing. Now Asia is deemed as hostile because obviously it's funded by PIF. Um, You know, I I look at, you know, we're we're best buddies now with America, you know, and I look at the Ryder Cup this year. What are we going to have? Six foot gimmies? I don't know. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. You know it, it just it seems to me that a lot, you know, the the landscape of golf is has changed so much. Like you said, you know, when when Keith came into power, so to speak, um, yeah, America was seen as right. We we have to compete with them. We have to compete. Um, we had the Sunshine Tour, the Asian Tour, yeah. our own European Tour. Yeah, we had the strength there, but if they had the backbone to actually form. A viable yeah. option against the PGA Tour, but, but now, we didn't. but now we're best buddies with them. We're in bed with them, and yeah, it, it's. Well, we know, spoke I to Hendy. We spoke I guess to Hendy. isn't it? If you can't, if you can't beat them, well, join them, and that's what we've done. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. And Hendy, you know, we can see what the PGA Tour have done to Australian golf and what have you. And I think they were basically. They were, we must have been scared. Pelly must have been like a. a a rabbit in the headlights sort of thing and said, like, I need to go with the money men here to protect this tour, protect my job, protect the business. So it was, yeah, weak really, but you can understand, I suppose, to a degree. Yeah. You know, I think when you're giving your 10 best, you know, when you're giving your 10 best players to America every single year, okay. You know, some of them are are certainly going to be coming back because not all 10 are going to be able to, you know sort of i think they'll be able to keep their cards but you know to get in that top 50 which is where it's about really um i think they're going to struggle uh personally um i hope they do really well i really do i'm not you know and that's not taking the, what anything against the players that get there they're, they're hell of a players um but it's going to be very very difficult you know we even we talk about like with challenge tour players if they if they're not playing in those Rolex series events it's it's quite difficult to um you know keep a card and it's the what, same what, that, if, that, what, that if, what events can we the... see you on Richard on a DP World Tour uh, right now I plan to play uh, obviously if the court case goes the correct way uh, I'll play the Scottish uh, I don't plan on playing in Europe until then um, I'll play the Irish I'll play the uh, Wentworth and I'll play the Dunhill. Um, that that's that's pretty much it for me. Um, that's pretty maybe 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 one other maybe one other somewhere we'll see. Um, obviously I've got the Open at Hoylake. Um, so yeah, that that that's kind of where I'm at at the minute. Um, you know, I'm 50 years old now. I don't, I don't particularly want to be playing 25 events in a season if i can get sort of 20 that that that's 2021 that's a good that's a good number for me now i think um yeah that that number will only probably get less and less as you know as as i get older um so uh and the knees holding up 
Yeah, the knee's fine. The shoulder's been a bit of an issue um, before Maricoba. I hadn't, re- I didn't really practice for two weeks. I'd kind of, I think I'd just kind of got an angry tendon. Um, it's settling down now. Um, but yeah, so I, did, I didn't really have too much preparation going into um, in, into Maricoba, which was disappointing, especially coming off a decent three weeks in uh, in the Middle East. Um, of course, so in Mexico, isn't it? So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a really good, really good course, really good test in the wind. Um, yeah, you really had to be on your game. Um, and yeah, I, I, it just kind of showed that I just wasn't really, yeah, I was, I was all right. I was okay, but just kind of not sharp enough. Um, and it just kind of showed, yeah, the bit sort of the lack of practice that I'd done over the last couple of weeks, um, just kind of like, um, showed really, um, just not sort of quite sharp enough, which, which that's fine. You know, I wasn't expecting to go there with you know with my best stuff not having really done anything um so uh yeah and then you sort of come back and it's absolutely freezing cold here and you know it's not like you can go and practice for stand on a range for four or five hours here because you'll be you know you're just a block of ice so it's uh so yeah this this time of year obviously the uk trying to practice is always a little bit frustrating and you know the motivation levels are never really uh you know, in sort of <laughs> tip-top condition. So, oh, uh, I hear you, Richard. I don't yeah. like being in fescue this time of the year, anyway. So, so, so listen, yeah, I'm cutting to the it. chase, bringing it back for our listeners. Um, you know, in terms of the format of Live, so how do you keep your place on Live for 2024? I mean, uh, what, what's behind it? Top 24. Top 24. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there is there is a lot of play. Uh, so you'll see a lot of the, this year um, going into next year. There'll be a lot of sort of movements around a lot of players have got to finish top 24 this year to keep their um automatic playing rights for next year yeah i think if you finish sort of 26 27th or something something like that i I still think you'll get invited back um richard is that money is that money order of merit or is that a point system yeah it is point system so uh so yeah so top 24 for me um yeah, and yeah, I, I probably, as I see it right now, yeah, if I could get one more year out of live, I think that would be me probably riding off into the sunset at the end of 2024. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I, think I love your honesty, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think I have a huge amount of um sort of enthusiasm to play legends in Europe. Um, obviously, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to be able to play it in America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think my I think my rubber stamped band uh, on my application <laughs> form there would be uh, that's gone. Yeah, would be pretty much straight there. Um, so yeah, you know, if I could play another two years on live um, this year and next year, I think yeah, I think that would probably be me uh, sitting on a desert island somewhere with a with a cocktail and. You Richard know, Branson's what, Desert Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be sat there with Gmac. Yeah, <laughs> with Kaima paddling yeah. up. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw. I'll throw. It'll a take him ring two years to make it, won't it? Yeah, Martin Kaima. <laughs> yeah, we'll, se- we'll send out the we'll send out the lifeguards searching for him. Actually, just on that, Richard. I mean, obviously, you're talking maybe this year and next year, and that'll be the end of it. We talked about Laurie Cantor earlier on. Yeah. Uh, you know, is 
Is Laurie a Cleek sub player or is he a travelling reserve for any team? On um, I think I think at the minute he's going to be with us. Uh, we're, we're still very uncertain when Martin's coming back. Um, right. Yeah, he's not really hitting balls yet. Um, I certainly, uh, you know, it's a pretty serious injury that he had to his wrist and the operation. Um, yeah, talking with Martin in, in Mexico. Yeah, he can putt. And he said sometimes he can putt for an hour. Sometimes he said he can putt for 10 minutes before it starts to sort of ache and wow. and get a little sore. Um, and it, it's not one of those injuries you, you can be, you, you need to be rushing back from. You know, that's the thing with golf. You, you don't know where you're going to hit it sometimes and you don't know what lie you're going to get. <laughs> you're not going to hit it centre cut every single time. You know, you're going to be in some pretty nasty lies and you've got to have the confidence in the left wrist to withstand whatever you're going to do yeah you can't be sort of oh that's a bit of a dodgy lie i'll take a an unplayable it's that's that's not going to happen so no you know you know for me i would think i think martin's got to really take his time you know he's a sensible guy he's been around the block enough and um uh, he knows what he's doing so i i think laurie will certainly play tucson and florida um probably I think he he's got a very good chance of playing Australia and Singapore too. Um, yeah, because I you know I, I, if if I was in Martin's shoes and looking to come back, you'd want to be playing for a good two weeks, solidly for two weeks with no real sort of repercussions. Okay, of course you're going to get the odd evening when it's maybe a little sore, and um, but you've got to be able to then go the next day and be able to do. Yeah, the work that you want to be able to do and play uh, and practice, uh, I, I think you've got to be able to be able to do that for certainly a week to ten days. Um, yeah, absolutely. Or you can think about playing. Um, it's an so... interesting story, Richard, with Martin. You we're talking about Martin Keimer at the moment, but you talked earlier on about Liv and its communications, and sometimes it's not as good as it what it should be. What was the reason for the eleventh hour? communication with regards to Kaima's withdrawal from Mayakoba because I think he was just just trying to give himself the best opportunity but we we knew you know we you know we as a team we knew a little bit in advance of that Mm. um so uh so yeah you know it's I wouldn't read too much into that as as oh yeah that's a poor thing of what Liv have done there Mm. You you know obviously we knew probably I think we knew about a good two weeks beforehand that Martin wasn't going to play. We knew in all fans, we probably knew around Christmas time, he wasn't going to play, but he's not going to admit that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's, you know, that, that, that's here or there really. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, um, um, you know you, the one thing you know about Martin, he's doing absolutely everything he can in rehab to, to be back as quick as he possibly can. And, uh, yeah, he's a he's a great guy to be around. You know, when you've got a two-time major winner, Ryder Cup hero, players. Oh, for you sure. Know, Stevie is yeah, as long as your arm. Um, you know, he's just uh, yeah, he's one of those. You know, what he says to you is is always he's 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 always one of those people. When he talks, you listen. You know, he's got a lot of he knows a lot about things, and uh, and you know what you know. He's never sort of just going to sort of say something off the. Um, you know, in sort of like in 
in, in a heated moment or something like that. He's always very sort of sure of himself and um, yeah, he's just, he's just a good, you know, it's quite nice to be around him a little bit. You know, I've, in my career, I, I didn't really socialize with him too much because obviously he was playing at a lot sort of higher standards than I was. So, uh, um, but yeah, in, in the short time that I have had with him, he's, he's, yeah, he's a good guy to be around and he's, he's got a pretty good sense of humor as well. So, uh, um, well, bros and birdies. Now we've got Burmy out there. We've got you. If we can get Scott Hend out there, he's been on the show. And, yeah, and maybe I think, Scott, I think Scott would be there in a heartbeat. I've really seen <laughs> he would. He said so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Scotty too much um, over the last sort of year. Um, but uh, what a yeah, character! I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know Scotty a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, I know he's he'd be pretty keen to to get on a team if he could. Um, oh, he, he said he said that he's been open on social media. He's open about everything. To be fair, but yeah, you know, Richard, mate, it's we we're conscious that we've kept you probably too long, and you've got those <laughs> little puppies probably trying to get your attention. Yeah, um, probably. Uh, and what what, what breed are they? So I don't know. What what have you got? Uh, we've got a, a cockapoo and a French bulldog. Oh, plenty of activity there. But, yeah. bro, unless you've got anything else for, for Richard? No, no, it's been brilliant to talk to you again, Richard. We really right, thank boys, you anytime. for your honesty and your openness. And yeah, and hopefully the listeners that. like it as well. So Yeah, anytime yeah. Well, you good, need it. Good guys. luck at Tucson. All right, bud. I'll speak to you soon. Uh, you take care. Thanks a lot, Richard. You. Thanks, bud. Cheers. Bye now. Bye. 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 Well, that was a hell of a chat. It's always fun to have Blandy on the Bros and Birdies golf podcast. And... It was great for him to to give us some frank answers and be honest. And listeners wanted to hear that. They need to hear from someone who is deep within the live operation. And Blandy is. So best of luck, as we said, uh, for the rest of the season on live. But we have tournaments to talk about this week, bro. Yes, we so do. Let's get into it. And I reckon let's start. Let's start in the continent of Africa. Let's go to Kenya. Shall we? Ooh. What can you tell us about the course at Kenyan Open? All right, some very high-level stuff. So uh, we first saw Mathiga Golf Club uh, last year when it hosted the magical Kenyan Open. It's back there again this year after a, a few years at Karen Country Club. But we have a par 71, just a shade over 7,200 yards. Parkland-type course with lots of lakes, ponds and trees, which really um, sees an emphasis required on accuracy, in my opinion. The greens here are going to be really, really quick. And we're going to see, I think, a little bit of raised wind in the afternoon, seeing about 15 to 20 mile an hour from the forecast that I've looked at. So that might make it a little bit tougher. But I, I do I say accuracy is what I talked about here. And I think, you know, length is probably going to be um, a little bit of a benefit as well, given that it's the course is 5000 feet above sea level, which is obviously where we see the ball traveling further. But in terms of another stat emphasis, I'm certainly going to be looking at putting prowess, um, shots around the green, strokes gained around the green and greens in regulation. And that's it for me and a little bit about Mathiga Golf Club. Anything to put on top of that, bro? No, not a great deal just yet. It will be a bit breezy, tends to be a bit breezy. All right in the morning, tends to breeze, breeze tends to pick up in the afternoon at this place. But I like it. It's a... 
there's a lot of there's a lot of tree you have to drive it well here right you have to drive it well so my picks this week are players that have played well here in the past and are driving the ball well but also players that can play in the wind and you'll see that in a couple of my picks so shall we get right into the picks and why don't you go first okay right i'm gonna go straight in two-footed tackle Last oh, red card winner. ref red card yeah, red card get him off oh, seven, get him off they seven say. nil everyone seven nil <laughs> seven nil seven um, nil seven. forgot yeah. to mention oh, that united oh, get battered everywhere they go anyway carry on yeah, anyway, it's Ashen Wu. It's <laughs> last year's winner. Can you believe it? I've gone with last year's winner. Why have I gone with last year's winner? Well, he was a winner last year. It's obvious. But no, being serious, Ashen Wu, I think, is playing some really, really good golf uh, this year in particular. Although he hasn't won, we have actually seen, you know, at the Dubai Desert Classic, he had a tied 20th with uh, no round over par there. Okay, tied 20th. It wasn't exactly sort of uh, bringing up all the trees, but he also did have a tied 20th at the Abu Dhabi Championships, which is quite interesting because he played well at Abu Dhabi before he won the Kenyan Open last year. And I just, I like, you know, someone who's already won here, course form and is appealing at 28 to one. That's why I've gone for him. I, I think he, I think he should play good. This Chinaman. Well, bowl them all go. over. Oh, I see what you did there. Chinaman, yeah. anyone listening to this, especially Americans, it's a cricket term and it is a, a, a type of delivery, um, a Chinaman, like a googly or a full toss or a bouncer. Anyway, you play baseball. Right, let's get on to my first pick for the Kenyan Open is Cockadoodle-doo. Get Aaron in. It's Aaron Cockrell. Loved these greens last year and a great tied second with four rounds in the red, 12 under on the par fives. Played well when last in, con in the continent of Africa after a T4 in the Alfred Dunhill. This course obviously suits his eye and he is a massive price at 110 to one for Aaron Cockrell my first pick he is absolutely he is a huge price isn't he I, I had a feeling you might go with the Cockrell I really did I don't know why I just I thought yeah anyways anyway good yeah good pick good pick like it my second pick is uh, a Spaniard a Spaniard who has some strong form this year, uh, tied six at the Raz Al-Khaimah in the UAE and also a tied 13th at the Dubai Desert Classic. And Adri Arnaus, it was a tied eighth here last year at Mathaiga. And I'm getting 22 to one on Adri Arnaus this week. And I think he will power his way up that leaderboard. Playoff duel with Ashen Wu. Thank you very much, one, two. Oh, well, that's just as easy as that. Right. My second pick. I've got to stick with a lad that I talked up so much a few weeks ago. It's young South African Jaden Scaper. Um, he's 45 to 1. His driving is so much better this season. And he is growing in confidence. 34th here last year and has missed just one cut this year. Two top 20s. Help this lad believe. And he's going to be a star. Now, Jaden Scaper, second pick, 45 to 1. Excellent, excellent. Right, my third pick is a German. It's not the previous winner, but it's another German who has been trending in the right directions, who's recently had a tied third at the Thailand Classic and a tied sixth at the Hin 
the Indian Open, rather not is he Indian. long? Is not he long? Indian. <laughs> no, he's not long. Actually, he's he's having a bit of a sleep. It's Alexander Knapp. Kanapka or whatever you want. Anyway, he's a massive price at 80 to 1. And, you know, for a guy who's playing some really good golf at the moment, I think we could have another German winner as well. So, you know, I know I've said, obviously, Adrian Nelson, and Ashen Wu, but playing me card here. And 80 to 1 is what attracted me into this German. So that's my third play. Nice one. Right. Third play for me, Swedish man. He's played very little golf on the tour so far this year. But We've seen him play well on windy links and he can have a good week here. I think if he's, if he's tuned up, if he's put his practice in, which I'm sure he has, Marcus Kinholt could have the talent to go and compete at the Kenyan Open. He's around about 40 to 1 in places and it's good enough for me. It's a bit of a, bit of a hunch because I'd like, I would have liked to have seen him play a few more tournaments this year, but Marcus Kinholt, third pick. Okay, talking to hunches, my fourth and final player. Quasimodo. No, it's not. And he's definitely carrying a lot on his back, I'll tell you that much. He had an absolute shocking opening first five holes down at Mayakoba. It's live player Laurie Cantor. He's back playing the DP World Tour. And if he brings his A-game to this course at 55-1, to 1, Laurie Cantor can feature. And I, I like it, the fact that he's coming back to play, you know, on the DP World Tour. Obviously, after that, you know, he was a last-minute replacement for Martin Keimer down at Mayakoba, so probably couldn't have had the best preparation. But, you know, we know this guy's got a class game. If he's on it, 55-1, to 1, decent price. Final play, Laurie Cantor. Okay, right. That's your final play. Right, my fourth pick, not a name many will have heard of, but this Portuguese fella has been around the block and can play well in the wind, which was evident in his Madeira win. Okay, 10 years ago, but wind hasn't changed. He played well here last year and finished his week with a 7-under 64. With that in the memory bank, he can carry on where he left off. He's 300-1 to and his name, is Ricardo Santos final <laughs> pick? Three hundred to what? He's a guitar player, is he, bro? Ah, uh, well, hey, if he can play the guitar as well as he can play a six iron, then I will listen to his music. Excellent, excellent. Three hundred to one. You, you never, you never fail to disappoint, do you? Three hundred well, to one shot. Thr- uh, Thriston Lawrence at eight hundred to one last week really didn't pay off. But... <laughs> Where did he go? Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's all right. He played all right. Played some nice golf. Right, that's that. Let's run through those quickly for the listeners. I've gone for Ricardo Santos, Marcus Kinholt. I have gone for Jaden Scaper and Aaron Cockerell. And for me, it's Adrian Aus, Ashen Wu, Laurie Cantor, and Alexander Kanapka. Kanapka. Right. Let's head over to the Players Championship. TPC Storgrass, Pontevedra, Florida. What can you tell us about this? We probably know a lot already, but can you add anything? Hey, listen, I've I've played this on Tiger Woods Golf on the PlayStation so many times, <laughs> years and years ago when I was younger. But it's a par 72, just a shade under 7,300 yards long. A Pete Dye 1979 design with renovations in 2006 and 2016. What do we know about Sawgrass? Well, we know there's lots of water. In fact, lots of water. It's on 17 holes bunkers galore at this place and lots of dog legs there's also no two holes play in the same direction so it's a really tough course we love sawgrass 
closing stretch of 16, 17 and 18 is probably one of the most toughest on the PGA Tour rotors. The greens are fast, but they're also very small as well. So difficult to find. I think we're going to be looking at a <laughs> You'd back... know about that, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I would, yeah, exactly. There's no fescue here, though. I think we're looking at oh, really? a... <laughs> back nine war of attrition at Sawgrass. I'm oh, certainly okay. looking for long hitters. Um, a little bit like uh, Kenya, although totally different courses, but my stat angles are very similar. I'm certainly looking at around the green um, prowess, accuracy, long hitters, and also par four performance at this tough sawgrass course. And it's $4.5 million to the winner for this elevated event at the players. Anything to put on top of that, bro? Well, no, other than I've just found out that you're oven ready. Um, no, nothing to add to that. We know TPC Sawgrass very well. Um, there's plenty of info out there on social media sites. If you want to find out more about the course, weather looks fine. This week might have a little bit of lightning in one of the evenings, uh, maybe on Friday. But yeah, charts, stats around the green game, finding plenty of these small greens. So approach for me is everything. I've got three picks going forward, for my army for the players. Okay. Well, I've got six this week. In fact, <laughs> I'm playing Jesus. the whole bloody field. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've got okay. outside of John Rahm, right? I'm, yeah. I'm just going to get John Rahm out of the way, right? And, and I'm going to talk about John Rahm. John Rahm last week, I think, was suffering massive fatigue, right? He just, obviously, the weekend he didn't feature. And I think he'll be really smart in about that. The fact that he is 10 to 1, John Rahm, is just crazy given what he's been doing recently. So, John Rahm, I'm definitely going to play singly. And then I've got five others to go with it without John Rahm, in the market without John Rahm. So, that just give you a little bit of an intro there. Anyway, why don't you go with your first pick? Okay, will do. Um, look, Webb Simpson. I, I thought, now I put him up as a. In play bet um, after yeah, round one and, one and two. 2,000 to one. Yeah, 2,000 to one. And then he didn't have a great Saturday, but then he actually came back with a superb round, six under at Bay Hill on the Sunday and finished well. So I look at that and I take that and I like players that finish a tournament the week before well, right? It's a good confidence builder. Now, been a couple of years since his last win, Webb Simpson, but this course is a test and it tests his approach more than anything. He's 23rd in shots gained approaching. I'm hoping last week kickstarts his unsteady start to the season. The 140 to 1, he's played well here in the past. He's had a couple of top 20s, um, 2017, I think he finished 18, 18, 19 season, finished 16. Look, Webb since he's been around a block, he feels like he's been on tour for 30 years, but he, you know, he's still a relatively young lad. And I think 140 to one, he can, he can get it done. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'd like to see a bit more form coming into something like the players, to be honest with you, but 140 to one, I like your big prices. Okay. Right. My first serious play outside of John Rahm is Jason Day. Why not? Jason Day, his form here is absolutely impeccable. A previous winner, obviously. Um, and his 2023 form is just so strong. It's, it's untrue. Uh, you know, he had a, a tied 18th at the Amex at La Quinta. He's had a fifth at the Phoenix, a tied ninth at the Genesis, a tied seventh at the Farmers, and a tied 10th at the API last week. You know, Jason Day is playing some phenomenal golf right now. Okay, 
look, he's 28 to one in the outright or he's 25 to one without John Rahm. And he's short for a reason because of some of the golf that he's playing this year, as well as his like for Sawgrass. So he's my first play. Okay. Well, give us just give us another one because you've okay. got, you know, you've got 400 to get through. Yeah, exactly. I have. Listen, my second play again, you know, I, I've looked at form angles coming into Sawgrass and I've looked at the type of player I think is, you know, also going to feature well at a decent price. My second play is Keegan Bradley. I think, you know, Keegan Bradley is definitely playing some really top golf at the moment. He had a second, obviously, at the Farmers. Um, tied 10th last week, I thought was pretty strong with that closing round 67 in what was tough, tough conditions, certainly on the putting green. So, you know, that and to get a first round leader 50 to 1, Keegan Bradley's generally always up there. So, yeah, 35 to 1 about Keegan Bradley without John Rahm. And that's my second play out of the Rombo. Right. My second play, Victor Hovland finished tied ninth last year and he topped the charts in greens and regulation with 81.9% and driving accuracy at 82%. His putting and is around the green game were what stopped him from truly competing for the win last year. He hasn't missed a cut this year and a poor final round last week tripped him up. If he can bring his best around the green game, he must go close at 25 to 1. Victor Hovland. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely strong last week, wasn't he? Uh, you know, I thought was unlucky not to at least be in a playoff. But um, yeah, it's yeah pretty strong form. The Hov is a good pick. And someone who still may even go to live, by the way, we don't know. But OK, my next pick is Sahith Thagala. I think this this lad is trending in the right place. I mean, last week's performance was pretty strong for him, you know, at the, the Arnold Palmer. It was a really, really strong performance. 70 to 1 without John Rahm for a guy. It's a little bit of a hunch in the sense that obviously we've not he hasn't played here enough to see whether this course really suits him. But when you've got a guy that's playing really well and going in the right direction, it's hard to ignore. And I did have a long short list this week because there's so many players I really like the looks of this week. Even Nick Taylor was 270 to 1 or whatever. It's just crazy. But yeah, Sahith Vigala, 70 to 1 without Rom. Okay. My final pick, because I've only got three, like I said, um, and between us, we have nine. But this, my final pick, yes, I'm revisiting Christian. Christian Bezudnow. His around the green game has been off the charts this season. He finds plenty of fairways. has had a few decent finishes in the Amex and the Honda. And even though it's his first look at Sawgrass, I don't mind that at all, as it may well just fit his eye, right? So what if it fits his eye and he finds plenty of fairways and greens and we know he's got a great scrambling game? He could go very close, 200 to 1. Is a huge price, and he's that price because he's never he hasn't played here before. So, uh, yeah, all right, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a long shot, but I tell you what, he's got the game to compete, and I'm going to give him a go. Christian Bazudno. Yeah, I know you like this one of these days. It's going to fall, isn't it? Probably on the KFT or something like that. Maybe <laughs> a couple hey, of years time. I don't know. Stop anyway, it. listen, right? That yeah, good pick. All right, my final two plays. Right, I'm. Decent prices here this week. Harris English last week, that performance was impressive. Only four bogeys over the 72 holes at Bay Hill is just is phenomenal golf. I think he made 16 pars, 
two birdies final round or whatever. But he's a decent price at 70 to one without John Rahm, Harris English for a guy who is in some form. And my final play, it's the long haired lover from just outside of Liverpool. We all love a bit of Tommy. Tommy Fleetwood, I believe, has been working with Butch Harmon in recent weeks. And he really does have a liking for Sawgrass. In 2018, he was tied seventh. In 2019, tied fifth. Last year, he was tied 22nd. He's had a bit of a tough time, obviously, over the last year, haven't we all? But Tommy Fleetwood at 70 to 1, just like Harris English, is definitely someone I want to play this week. And who knows? He's going to win on the PJ Tour. He's going to at some point. Why not this week? All right. Okay. So that let's go through our picks and I'll go first. I've got Webb Simpson, Christian Bazudenhout and Victor Hovland. And me, it's John Rahm Singley. And then I'm going to perm up with Kenya on Jason Day, Sahith Thigala, Keegan Bradley, Harris English and Tommy Fleetwood. Well, enjoy the players it is a great tournament a great course i really hope you enjoyed our chat with richard blands gave a bit of an insight again and an update on what's going on with live and we've got so much to talk about obviously we'll look back at the players and the kenyan open next week but also we have three tournaments to look at next week dp world tour with the sdc championship st francis links on the eastern cape south africa an absolutely stunning course on the pga tour we've got the valspar championship and on live we go to tucson arizona but for this week it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me too <laughs> have a great week bye-bye now, this this really is beyond the joke now he's he's, he's gone gaga because this is uh, this is quite i've never seen anything like it before and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness